<laughs> Great. Okay. Today is September 6th, 2022. And on the Teensy Leader podcast, we have Mr. Nick Gap. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, you know, uh, life is exhausting. I'm in like transition right now from just finishing a film that I had been working on for like a year. And because I had been like sitting and editing this thing the whole time, or I was realizing I just, I need to go to the gym. So now like my main priority right now is fitness and it's really hard because my body's very soft from all the soft <laughs> editing that I had been doing. So it's, it's a really hard kind of switch to sitting all the time versus physically just punching at the air. Get back know? into it. Yeah. You got to get a, an editing routine. You just edit a little bit and then do some push-ups or something. Dude, I tried to, but coffee shops don't like when you do push-ups on the floor. Uh, you know? You're only so. editing in coffee shops. Huh? Well, so, you know, I know it's a little bit on the cliche side, but for me, buying like a $5, well, probably like $6 coffee was a motivating factor. Like if I bought it, I'm like, all right, Nick, you got to earn this coffee now. And mm. so I would work for like four hours at a time on a weekend. That would be the minimum. Like for this project, there were weekends that I was working probably close to just 20 hours of my time. And mm. then I'd work my normal job and then I'd work some more. It was just work, work, work and boof. Yeah, a little much. Maybe maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves as we always do here. So um, uh, maybe you should just tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> so obviously you're a filmmaker. Yes. Um, an editor. Uh, but that is uh, far ahead of what you do. You do a lot of other things on set. Um, including directing. Uh, so maybe you can just tell our audience uh, about yourself. Just give us your name, uh, your pronouns, where you're from, and then just like your art kind of background, how you sure. got into yeah. filmmaking, if there's any types of art that uh, maybe you did before filmmaking that, that bleed into it, or, um, you know, just storytelling type stuff in general. Yeah, yeah. So I am Nick Gap. I'm originally from Las Vegas, he, him. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think that I got into filmmaking in the conventional sense. I would say I've always been attracted to story, um, filmmaking being probably the most, uh, easy vessel for, for delivering story to the widest audience. It was easy enough for people to just sit and watch, but, um, I've also, uh, written a book. I had a podcast for a little bit. Um, I, have even started dabbling into uh, Unreal Engine and doing more interactive virtual reality type storytelling mm. as well. So I would say in a nutshell, the core is I always love to tell a story and I am also a big nerd. So when it comes to technology, I just dive deep into um, all aspects of it. So uh, you could call me a creator, you could call me a storyteller and Whatever it takes to get the job done is what I'm going to learn. And it's proven to be pretty beneficial, especially since I would say Reno is still a developing kind of it, – it's always been a creative town, right? But the filmmaker side, I feel like, is still building its foundation. And I'm hoping yes. that now that I'm uh, working at UNR, I have an opportunity to help these younger kids who are – film curious, uh, create a better foundation for everyone. And it's, it's a big old chicken and egg situation. And, um, so, so I've known that you've, uh, been at UNR 
But what what's your official title? You told me right before we stepped in here. Now you're teaching. Yeah. But normally you're doing workshops. Yeah. Um, what what's your like actual? What did they hire you to do? <laughs> Media production specialist, which is such a blanket term, because uh. pretty much everybody I work in the at one of the knowledge center, uh, and that's kind of like the tech hub area. Uh, most of the people that I work with are media production specialists, but it doesn't mean they all do the same thing. They've all kind of come in to the the media creation world from their own angles. So we have people that are very uh, audio centric. We just hired a really great guy who um, uh, came from PBS. And so he's got that great documentary background. Um, so it kind of takes all kinds. And so my Specific job, I manage the Dynamic Media Lab, which is like our beefy Mac lab on campus where we have all of the uh, professional editing Mac stations as well as um, the Adobe Creative Suite. And I also try to push basically making for um, a benefit of all types of creative work. So we just added a podcast studio because podcasting Mm -hmm. is honestly one of the best uh, ways, in my opinion, to to start storytelling, right? You need yes. some nice microphones and you just need to be dedicated to communicating effectively. And, yeah. and that's a great place to start. So mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of podcasts. Me too. Yeah. I like them. They're fun. <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of where I started. And as soon as I uh, jumped on board, you know, I wanted to take the initiative. There used to be a film club back in the day and it was kind of dead when I got there. And so I kind of rallied um, the Art 151 students that I could find um, that wanted to take things further. And again, going back to that chicken and egg, right? It's really hard to get creators to create stuff if the funding's not there. And if the funding's not there, then they won't create stuff. And so um, right now there's a videography minor. Ideally, at some point, it'd be great to produce a major. And if we had a major, then ideally that would create even a better foundation for Reno as a filmmaking hub. I mean, come on, like we have an excellent landscape in Reno, right? Mm -hmm. You drive, Mm -hmm. you know, an hour in one direction and you're going to get a completely different landscape. You could have, you know, Mad Max out in the middle of nowhere type of environment. And then you can drive up to the lake, maybe throw up a blue screen and have a beach scene if you Mm -hmm. wanted to. You can. And kind of everything in between. So we have have it all. Huge, huge potential. And the fact that we're so close to California, right? Mm -hmm. Like it. Even though there are a lot of states besides California and uh, that do produce a lot of films, that's still like the hub of a lot of that creative work. And being so close to me just seems like a big benefit. Definitely. Oh, gosh. There's so many things you just said uh, that I'm just thinking about. Uh, so first off, um, there's only a minor right now. Correct. At there, UNR. There's a minor in videography. And then what's also nice, so this is kind of the – the baby steps that are being taken. So I actually got a degree in journalism, Mm. uh, in advertising because Mm. a long time ago, I just really liked the idea of, uh, convincing people of stuff. And I loved doing it through story. (laughs) I didn't realize that to me, like I, I did advertising in the real world. I did a lot of SEO search engine optimization type stuff. And it was so soul sucking. I learned a lot. It was interesting. But, um, the point that I was trying to make was, now the journalism school has a proper like videography emphasis, mm. um, and so I, if I was you know going to school now, that's probably the direction I would go to get as much uh, video filmmaking training as I could. Do they um, 
do anything besides videography? Is there any like uh, editing or emphasis on like sound or, or anything that is more specialized or is it just that bl- blanket if kind of level right now? If we had a major, we could probably have enough courses where it could focus on one thing at a time. Um, I don't want to say sadly, but it is a, a fact that right now in the minor, you kind of just have to, you have to stay somewhat broad, right? Uh, the introduction for a lot of people is Videography 151, taught by Lucas Starmer for many years. If you haven't heard of him, he's an excellent DJ. I uh, haven't. Lucas in, who? Lucas Starmer, yeah. Shout he, out to Lucas. Great. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> him hmm. and Michelle Rebelletti, they they have a, a Fox Michelle. and Buck. Hey. That's their plug. I'll plug them as far as uh, great DJs. And Fox and Buck? I might be getting that Fox one. and Buck. Fox and they're and DJs? Fox and they're DJs, yeah. We'll look them up. They're pretty cool. And if we can find them. They'll be in our description. Yeah. Fox and Buck. Fox and Buck. <laughs> when, he, when, he, <laughs> when, when they're not, you know, scratching tracks or whatever they do. <laughs> um, uh, he is teaching 151. And he sets such a good foundation for uh, students who are film curious. I keep using that term because really there are so many people out there that get inspired by a film and they don't know what how to – you know, um, act on those feelings. And some of them try to make a film and then they realize just how hard it is. So I would say the videography 151 and the film club are kind of like the filters for who actually is willing and able to, to push through the hard parts of making a film. And so now I'm uh, kind of complimenting 151 and I'm uh, helping to teach 251. I'm co-teaching 251 with another instructor. 251. 251. I yeah. would think that uh, at least the minor would grow and there should be probably a major at some point. But I mean, part of it is that that growing film industry in Reno specifically, like what comes through. I had a friend text me and they're like, hey, do you know, do you know a gaffer? that has their own equipment, I'm looking for someone who has a five-ton G&E rig. And, and like a five-ton, like, like semi, like they're toning all their own kids stuff. And I was like, no one here has a five-ton. I was like, I can find you a gaffer with a good kit, but that is it. Yeah. That, that's the best you can yep. do. Like I could give you the name of five different gaffers right now, <laughs> but the five... Five ton, like, and that's the thing, like, they, uh, in in places like Vegas mm-hmm. or California, they just have that, you know? Sacramento, I'm sure there's just a warehouse that has a five ton sitting right now waiting for someone like you to go and rent it. Oh, yeah. For your movie. Yeah. Wherever that is. Yep. You know, and that's, that's the one thing about Reno, I think, is just, like, until someone invests in this being a hub... It won't. Yep. Because the creativity does exist. The landscape does exist. And, uh, you know, there are those film curious people. Mm-hmm. Right. I actually think Reno is a really just artist curious place in general. Yes. Um, that I've seen since I was in high school. I've been surrounded by people who I've always thought like, oh, the talented people are everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't matter that we're in 100%. Reno. There are talented people here for sure. Um, but it's just like, you know, all of the means, all of the opportunities or a lot of them, <clears throat> they're in bigger cities. They mm-hmm. really are. And until those come here, I mean, we have what we have or what we make. Yeah. 
what we make. And that's something that uh, that kind of like seg- segue uh, more into into your your past, your background, things that you've done. Um, so what you've written a book, you made yeah. a podcast, and I know that you've uh, definitely been within the hierarchy of just different groups within town that have been aimed at um, gathering filmmakers together and making film yeah. and getting it done. Yeah. You know? Um, so maybe, maybe you could talk a little bit about that, the collaborative type of effort that you always seem to have behind you. Um, let's touch on that. And then, and then yeah. we'll get into things like nosebleed and, and sure, stuff sure. like that. Um, you know, uh, Maybe it's just that I like to do things the hard way, right? <laughs> I I would rather try to build, you know, a, a film in- infrastructure here than go somewhere else. I don't know why. I've always just rather, you know, go the easy route. And that's not even easy, right? Because the competition out in L.A. is insane. It's not even easy. Right, right. Um, but for me, I, I don't know. I just find the challenge more intriguing to bring people together. And, and honestly, it's just the way that I enjoy connecting with people is working on projects, working on creative projects, trying to figure out how to appeal to the audience. Um, so uh, like I said, I'm originally from Vegas. I had a, a group of friends it was weird. Like I, I never really had many opportunities for filmmaking when I was in like elementary school. I made my first like advertisement and I loved doing it. I was using my uh, mom's camera, but she only let me use it for that one thing. And then she was like, no, that's for the family. You can't have it. I'm like, Oh, come on. I want to play with it more. Um, I got to see on that project, not because it wasn't a good project, but because I didn't follow the rules. They wanted me to uh, make like a, a real commercial for, for a product. And I made up a product. I found that to be more entertaining. And I should yeah. realize that that was something that, you know, I thought I liked advertising, but I didn't really like advertising. I liked just making up stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Fast forward a little bit. I was also always big into video games. I felt like, um, I, like I said, I, I love all types of storytelling, books, whatever medium it comes from. And for me, the interactivity of video games was a really interesting way to, you know, understand empathy. Um, and I bought myself a PS3 and I bought myself a little web camera. Um, and it was weird. The PlayStation 3 had its own video editing software built into the video game system. Hmm. Super strange. It could do like stop motion. It could do a bunch of random things. PS3. And so I would literally lug around my PS3 around the house, just plug it in and then just turn on the camera and then film from that. And my my uh, viewfinder was my TV, whatever TV was nearby. <laughs> and so that was the camera That's so that funny. I really started on as far as uh, <laughs> filmmaking. I had like a four-part series called Trolls versus Giants and I did a bunch of dumb stuff with friends. So I would say my initial community were my friends like I'm sure it is for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And then, um, you know, reality kind of struck, you know. I, 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 like many creators, you know, yeah have to weigh your options in terms of like there are a lot of non-creative jobs that are a lot more sustainable, um, a lot easier hours. And so I kind of backed away from filmmaking for at least, I would say, my first year of college, about not just first semester. By the second semester, I started to look and see if there was any kind of clubs around uh, campus. And so I kind of helped form the UNR Film Club with a bunch of friends. 
And uh, from there, we I kind of rekindled my love and dream of, of making something super cool. Um, if anybody has ever met Josh Larson, he's a really talented, um, technical kind of dude. And he kind of took a lot of the films that we did to the next level. Yeah, I haven't heard his name in a second. Shout out to Josh. Yeah, yeah. He's living in Texas now. Of course, yeah. No, I texted him and he said that at one point. I forgot why we texted. Yeah, yeah. I think it was because of Mustang. I think he was, he like just texted me a picture of it. He was just watching it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So any opportunity that I could find to make films, like I would sneak in, like the whole time I started off with a business degree and then I switched over to journalism because uh, one of the instructors was like, you have really great writing. Maybe you should try this. I'm like, all right, I don't know what else I'm doing with my life. So I did that. And I also learned that, you know, journalism was a little bit more on the creative path um, and it had a lot to do with media. So I thought it was a really good way for me to explore it more in kind of a pseudo safe way. But I don't know how many degrees are safe these days, period. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a bigger question in yeah. general. How, like, do you, how do you feel about working it? A college and and just uh, some of the majors you probably see come through. Yeah, and, and just their likelihood of working in that major. It it's honestly a strange feeling. I would say I'm at least glad that I have this the perspective that I did because I ended up right outside of college. I just didn't know what to do. I was working for a film production company that was just managed not that well. Um, and then I got really scared from the creative world, and then I jumped into the advertising world, and that became so soul sucking that I'm like, who fucking? I, can, I don't know if I can cuss on this one. Yes, you fucking can. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, who fucking cares anymore? I'm not making money either way, so might as well just do what I want to do. And so I kind of flip flopped uh, a lot into filmmaking. So now that I'm on the other side, I'm on. Um, the university side. I mean, I've always loved UNR. I never hated my experience whatsoever. I'm very happy that I got it. But now that I have the opportunity as an instructor, I want to, in some ways, be a little bit harder on the students. Fair, but hard. Because I felt like the instructors that I respected the most and the ones that I think pushed me the most were the ones that were pretty hard on me. Um, there are a lot of lot of softies out there, and it, there's nothing terribly wrong with being soft. But I think it is affecting us in a in a broad sense of of having the grit to to yeah. persevere because everybody's going to get that wake up call as soon as they get out of college if they don't already had a have a job set up for them, and it becomes very unstable. And so my goal is to bring back a little bit of that stability to at least give them a fighting chance to make something with. Integrity. Skills. Yeah. Yeah. You have integrity. Yeah. I'm as a teacher. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, well, what, I'm new. Maybe I'm not jaded yet. I think yet. it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you haven't had a million students say fuck you. I know, right? <laughs> like after you've tried to help them, especially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you can only go and pour your heart and soul into a class so much and then go up to a student and be like, oh, you're so talented. If only you would just give half of a flying fuck. And then they're just like, oh, half? And then they, like, put it in front mm -hmm. of you and just rip it in shreds. And they're like, no. Yep. I, I, no. I, I try to go by the rule. I would say at least the, the teaching style that I've grown to adapt and appreciate is the ones where the instructor gives the student every opportunity to succeed. So that way they can't – I just see so many people that 
like if you give them one out to point the finger and be like, oh man, you know, it's because of you that I'm in my shitty situation. Like I, I, I want them when they point in one direction to be looking at a mirror and realize, oh, it's all on me. I'm the turd that's not changing, not, uh, you know, uh, coming to the challenge ahead of me and, and facing it head on. I'm trying to blame the world for the hand that I was dealt. And I, I just want to make sure that they understand I, just today in, in class, you know, at the very end, I, you know, everybody's kind of learning at their own level. And I shouted to all of them. I'm like, you can come to me after class anytime if you're not feeling comfortable about any aspect of what we went over today or any of the days, come by and ask me questions. Basically putting it on them that they cannot blame me or anyone else for any failures that they might run into. But they will. They will. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay to, to fail. I mean, the, the tech world has kind of brought – and I um, – like the whole fail faster motto, right? If we all would have kind of learned in middle school and high school to fail faster, then potentially we'd be a little less soft now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But I think that uh, it all goes back to um, ignorance is bliss Mm -hmm. and that, you know, there there's the soft people who are a hundred percent. That's, that's their life. Yeah. And they don't understand that that's their life. That's just their life. And then there are the ones who are like super complacent with it, mm-hmm. who are just like very aware of where they're at, what they're doing, you know, of of their daily habits and how their body, their mind, their everything is just a reflection of those daily habits. Mm-hmm. They don't know. They just wake up every day and have a day. Yeah. That's it, you know. And it, it's hard because, uh, you know, especially at your level, you're teaching at college You'd like to think that a lot of those people would not be so uh, blinded yes. <laughs> by, yeah. by by the stepstones of their life, but like they are, they can see one. They can't see even a couple in in front of them. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Change is is painful in any aspect. Change is painful, and the sooner people respect that kind of pain and and in some degree embrace it and obviously people can take it too far it, you know everything's kind of on a spectrum in terms of like there are crazy people on the other end they're like oh yeah give me more pain because this is masochistic. what i live yeah exactly yeah. and i used to be kind of a masochist like that back in the day and then my wife made me all soft and you know fed me a lot of delicious brownies and whatnot mm. and then i had to kind of like get away from the softness a little bit, but have that nice balance. <laughs> so it's her that made you soft. Uh, again, this is me trying to blame someone, but no, yeah. it's me. I ultimately like have to have the ownership. Of... It's like that video game defense when you're playing a video game. Oh, I know. It's and you're so into it and somebody walks in. You're like, why did you walk in? I know. This is all your if fault. If you had not walked in, <laughs> I would have beaten the boss, but you did walk in. So now I failed. Your fault. Oh, Yeah. Classic. My Classic. God. This is a side tangent. I remember, I think I was like in seventh grade and I was playing this uh, fighting game. It was a Gundam. I don't know if you guys have heard of Gundam anime. Gundam Wing. Really cool. Um, but it was an awesome fighting game and the rental was almost due and I was almost had completely beaten the game and I got 
so, so angry to the point of where my mom opened up the door and said, you are grounded because <laughs> I was like yelling at the screen. And I realized that was like one of those self-reflection moments, right? Where I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> I need to take a moment and step back. And so I, I feel like a lot of people have probably had those self-reflection moments that mm-hmm. hopefully, excuse me a bit, uh, you know, stir some positive emotion. And I think that was one of those examples. Hopefully. Yeah, right? <laughs> Hopefully. It doesn't just make them more aggro and hate the world. Oh, I know. Even more. But, uh, I mean, to each their own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so let's go forward. So let, let me I, – I know you've made Nosebleed. Yes. Right? Can you just name the the movies that you have made the and, and like, what you did specifically – Besides directing, right. producing, editing, just your actual titles on those movies. Yeah. So uh, let me go through. I don't know if I have a my phone on me. Um, as far as movies, um, a lot of them I ended up producing. But uh, for a while, I was part of the um, Reno Film Collective. Uh, Eddie Vigil and a couple other people were kind of part of that core startup. And so... You know, that was kind of the, after college, my, my initial phase of uh, wanting to find community again since I didn't have the film club anymore. And so I helped out with a couple of his films, uh, ranging anywhere from, you know, uh, audio boom operator to um, just a PA. Um, it's funny, I kind of skipped a couple of steps along the way and... and uh, I've always kind of leaned toward the directorial side of things. Um, I've also done a lot of acting in some of these films as well. So, uh, sorry, Reno Film Collective, I'm trying to remember the names of the films that we did. Honestly, it's all kind of a blur at this point. But if you it's were online. just... Yeah, exactly. If you were to go Shout online, out to Eddie you'd see... And RFC, which yeah. I don't think it actually exists anymore i have no clue if it does i don't think it does but i could be wrong i don't think it does but yeah one of the first films that we did though as kind of the big hurrah of um the reno film collective was uh the film that i created it was called um the delt and it was just a simple like three to four minute comedy it was a it was one big fart joke i got actually inspired to get back into filmmaking because mm-hmm. i went to the prescott film festival in arizona and i'm like you know what i'm just gonna do that and so i reached out to eddie i started to see who was still trying to make films in town at the time and during the film festival i had written this script um that just made me laugh i just was like keep it simple fart jokes they're funny you know they come and go but they have their audience and so i ended up making um, uh, like a Mexican standoff, three gangs mm. kind of going at it, and then one of them just lets one out, and it becomes this very um, juvenile joke. But it was shot very well. You know, Josh helped out with it. I, yeah. uh, Eddie acted in it, and I think he was also like the AD of that one. Um, so I was writer-director. That's typically the roles that I fit into. And whenever I can, I'll make a cameo if it makes sense. In the mm-hmm. films, I never try to force it, but if it's like, oh, I just need someone to be in this shot, I'll act in it as well. It's definitely not my primary, but I do enjoy acting. Love that cameo shot. Yeah, yeah. And so I uh, did a couple other things from there. Uh, I helped out with 
oh, I'm forgetting the name of it. Um, I, I helped out uh, with just behind the scenes photography for one of these other shoots. Um, I uh, competed in the three minute film festival. Um, why am I blanking on the name of the 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 festival? It's the one in town. It's the. the uh, I know there's the forty eight hour. There's but the but three minute and the, the forty eight hours sound different. Yeah, the three minute one. God, that's gonna kill me. I'm gonna have to look it up at some point, or you're just gonna have to insert it over this video. <laughs> insert. We'll find about. it. Exactly. Anyways, um, so this was like right after Trump had gotten elected, and I don't want to get too deep down like the political podcast, but um. You know, I, like many other people, were like, what the fuck? It was a weird new reality okay. to have him as president. And so um, at that time, I uh, just decided to make a spoof on a reality show where it was called Overnight Professionals. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole concept was basically taking some random schmo and making them an overnight professional, kind of making fun of the fact that, like, Trump really never did any sort of public service of any kind. And just overnight, boom, he's the president. He's the president now. It's really fucking weird. And so that one was really funny. That was kind of filmed like The Office style meets a reality show. Mockumentary. Yeah, mockumentary. and Reality uh, mockumentary documentary. Yeah. And so I wrote and starred in that one. And I was a bag boy by day. And um, I forget what I was at nighttime, but I was just some regular dude uh, working a day job and I wanted to become an overnight artist. Overnight professional. Overnight professional artist, yeah. And so I uh, uh, created um, this piece of art and it was this awful, awful, I should send you guys a photo of the piece of painting that I created specifically for this film. It's this awful Cheeto looking version of Trump. Mm, <laughs> and then delicious. It, yeah, and then this recurring character uh, who's been in a couple of things, Jerry the Funk Finkelstein, comes yes. out of nowhere and buys that thing for like $20,000. And so that was a fun three minutes of ridiculousness. Jerry the Funk Finkelstein. Um, so maybe, uh, where are we right now in your timeline? <laughs> Let's see. So uh, that's kind of a segue. There's nosebleed still. There's nosebleed, yeah. And um, so nosebleed yeah. was one of the bigger uh, shorts. I tend to ebb and flow between dramatic pieces and comedic pieces. So I had just done that comedic piece, and then I jumped into uh, nosebleed, which I think that was me just coming out of like a bit of depression from a lot of different things, just questioning, like, what am I going to do with my life? And I'm not exactly doing what I want to do with my life. And, you know, it, it you kind of just hopefully take those dark elements and use them for positive. So uh, Nosebleed, for anybody that doesn't know, is about a, um, a character who is supposed to die. He has this uh, recurring nosebleed um, that his twin brother had and his twin brother died and so he's living life to the fullest carpe diem because he never knows when he's gonna go a year passes by and he's still not dead but he's broke and he's kind of severed all ties that he has just living on a whim um, but he's still not dead and he has to kind of like reevaluate what am I gonna do with life what is the meaning of life now that I'm like assumed that I'd be gone by this point and so that was a uh, really fun, like, introspection. I feel like a lot of people go through that phase of, like, 
man, life is dark. I don't know if I, I, I just don't know <laughs> how I want to, you know, follow through on, on some of the hardships. Um, so yeah. P- Paul Sean Ward, shout out to him. Um, Paul. Yes. Hi, Paul. Paul. He's rocking it big. Um, uh, so he he was wonderful. In ter- I, I feel like he was a, a perfect cast. He was the lead, right? Character. He was the lead. Mm-hmm. Just to say that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, yeah. It was, and I feel like for every project that I work on, I'm usually writing, directing, maybe a little bit of acting, and then I'm always editing it. And through that process is why I, I'm pretty proficient at being able to teach this stuff because I've kind of touched all aspects of filmmaking Mm-hmm. consistently mm-hmm. Um, um so going forward from there what other projects is it does it go straight into the the funk uh pretty much i i was helping out with a lot of other uh small parts here and there for films that were being made um not sure how many of them got produced but i i was a bit burnt out after nosebleed i did not take care of myself after that and Um, again, I was still, even though I was like exiting depression, I still had some of it left. So I was kind of wrestling with that on top of just not knowing where I wanted to go with, uh, life after that. And luckily I've been able to figure it out. I'm pretty happy with where I'm at and I've been able to wrestle with some of those demons and, uh, midway through the pandemic, I was actually getting ready to like help out and make more films and, and I was feeling it. I was feeling kind of normal again and wanted to support and then it was hard to support anybody during the lockdown phase. Yes. And oh, not yeah. only that, I had just gotten a new job at UNR so I was kind of putting all of my energy toward that. But about four to five months in, I'm like, you know what? I think I can also manage um, a film and I was just you know, like everybody kind of sucked into the endless doom scrolling that we were all doing during that time. And I kind of wanted to make fun of humanity's relationship with the internet. And we had this character, Jerry, the funk played by Ryan Toon, excellent actor, funny, funny dude. He's been in a lot of these films in the film club era. Um, when I got a new camera, I shot a really funny montage. Um, because sorry, I'm kind of going in circles right here, but to back up for a second, right when I got the UNR position, I was also investing in a lot of filmmaking equipment because I had mm-hmm. made the conscious decision that no matter what, I'm going to stay in the filmmaking world through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got this sexy new 6K uh, Blackmagic pocket camera. And, you know, just like anybody who buys a new piece of equipment, you're going to learn everything you can about it. And it was so funny. I was looking on YouTube and everybody that had these kind of cameras were like, they did the same thing. It was just a slow-mo montage with a sexy model. And they were getting like, you know, 500,000 views for all that. So I thought it would be hilarious to do my own version of Reno's sexiest model. So we did a slow-mo montage of the funk, which by the way, the funk is kind of like a goofier, creepier version of the dude, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, anyways, after that kind of test shoot, I'm like, you know what? I, because I like to make things hard on myself, I wanted to challenge myself to make this character who's always been this bit character and transform him into the main character. To me, I always find that 
interesting. You know, you think of um, examples like Better Call Saul, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it, but I know a lot the of people spin-offs. love that kind of stuff. And spinoffs can work, and they can also be a flop. Uh, and obviously, like, not many people know the funk, so this was more of an internal, like, let me take on this challenge. I'm curious to know, can I actually change or recreate this this character and make him sustainable for a full half hour of television. And uh, what did you find? By the way, you had your premiere of this. We recently, did. Well, correct? yeah, technically a showing. We just want to make sure to legally distinct because premiere could technically be taken by. Um, you know, we're going to submit it into a couple of festivals, specific ones. This was never Has designed. Has not been premiered. Yeah, yeah. Just a showing um, to a lot of the people that worked on the film. It's a bummer that you couldn't make it, man. I'm sorry. People I'm really laughed at your scene. Into the Woods is, is where I'm at right now. Yes, totally understand. Um, yeah, Cody Hamilton, if you don't know, he was uh, uh, in the film as well. I decided to film this, like, mid-COVID because I'm like, I think it's just time to work through all of the – the extra hurdles that came along with filmmaking uh, in COVID. So everybody had to be masked up. The only people that couldn't were the talent. And we made sure we did, you know, checked all of the boxes to be as safe as we could during that time. Uh, yeah, no, I, have, I have pictures from that and I have a mask on. Yeah. But it, I mean, like I didn't when we were filming, but exactly. That yeah. Was it. So we, we were um, pretty strict with it. Um, but so I, I ended up writing this whole script taking on this challenge of making this character into a main character, but also reinventing him, this funky guy who loves the internet. He's known as this Reno's internetologist, whatever that means. He's kind of like, um, you know, uh, anthropologist for <laughs> the internet. Um, and uh, from there, I had to figure out a way, okay, how can I make a film during COVID that's not going to involve too many people that'll still be interesting for 21 <clears throat> minutes? And so I came up with the idea of, I don't know if you've heard of Chat Roulette. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, everybody knows the main social media platforms, but there's a lot of weird parts of the internet that are just hilarious and terrible and weird. Maybe you could uh, describe it for those who don't know Chat Roulette. the uninitiated uh, Chat Roulette, very simple concept. It's a web chat interface and you hit a button and then you randomly get connected with someone in the world. It could be anywhere and uh, you can have a conversation or it could be something really weird they could be you know playing a a song on their guitar for you that's curated just for you or you could have someone jerking it it was really roulette in terms of what you were going to encounter and that's kind of yes the weirdness of the internet that i wanted i I felt like it was a good pilot type of episode because again i had to work within the confines of not being able to have too many people in the same room Mm -hmm. so a good chunk of this um film he's in a room trying to save the world from doom by uh, spreading the funk spreading spreading the cheer uh through chat roulette and, through chat roulette and it goes horribly horribly wrong <laughs> got it and you know so uh one of the things about this film the the portion that i did we were uh it was all green screen uh i did it with jessica um Jessica was Jess- great. Jessica, who's I met her on now. set that day. Cody brought her along, and she just nailed the the 
janky lady from Reno that I was going for. She she did very well, um, definitely. And it was just a, uh, it was cool because like with that green screen experience, like I only saw you, the people you had there that day, and Jessica. Uh, but when I saw at least the part that I was in, you let me see it one day. We we uh, ran into each other at a coffee shop. It was really cool. And it looked like it took a lot. That was the other thing. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I'm only in a minute. Maybe it's a minute. Uh, let's call it a minute. Yeah. You know, Definitely. a minute of this thing. I don't know how long it took. It took us a day to film. Yeah. Uh, that that post must have been. And it was only like an hour-ish because we were running <sighs> through a couple other people. I would guess. An hour and a half? I would guess like a good couple days a oh, day or two of editing oh, just for oh, that editing? minute oh editing it took like a day or two probably two and a half weeks two and a half weeks for weeks. that one part yeah and not fold me working every single night but at least two beefy weekends because yeah i i i i also had to make sure that i was being professional in the sense of like not stealing anything so i had to recreate i had to create logos for every single fake um, commercial that I was producing in this film, I had to, I had to make everything as original as possible with the the um, time and budget that I had. Which was so you do hard. you do a lot. You're truly yeah. uh, a Renoite. I think yeah. that something that people don't realize about Reno artists specifically is that this is the epitome right here, Nick. And I say that <laughs> in the sense that you know. Uh, it's hot in here. Sorry. Yeah, okay. It's <laughs> I, steamy. I say it's that steamy. that everyone that I know um, from Reno is somebody that is just like, yeah, so I was an actor first or I was this first or that first. And it's always this like first thing. And then they give you like 20 other titles of things they have had to learn to do. Yep. And if you go to a bigger city, that is not what it is at all. I mean, people do lighting design for 20 years and that's it. And they've never even attempted acting you know and that's not reno everyone attempts everything you you just gotta try a little bit of everything you do um so that's really nice to hear that you i mean like you seem to take that idea and be on a different level with it if you're doing all that graphic design stuff on top of the editing on top of the directing uh maybe you could tell us a little bit about your pre-production phase yeah like how how you go about pre-production so uh, the first thing is i just need to get buy-in right for from the actors cuz uh, kind of moving forward i have a rule i want to make sure that i'm compensating everybody that i work with even though i know a lot of people love doing it and some people don't accept the money i do want to at least try to respect them even though i just i'm not rich at all i don't have a ton of money but i still want to at least show them that hey i respect your craft and your talent so the first phase is really just kind of recruiting people getting buy-in from the main actor ryan tune in this case um for him him you know he's very close to this character that he uh, and he created the original version of the funk and then i wanted to work with him on creating this new one that could hold and be a main character for a long time. So there was a bit of workshopping to make sure that we were authentic to what the funk's essence was, but there was a lot of creepiness that I knew needed to be tamped down a little bit for him to maintain being a main character. I wanted to up the goofiness and 
um, kind of reduce the creepiness of this character. And I think we struck a good balance of like maintaining who he was. I mean, you can kind of think of it like um, uh, comic book characters, right? Batman has been reinvented a million times over and each time we get a different interpretation of who they are. But at the core, you can kind of see, oh yeah, that's still Batman. Yeah. 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 Right? And so in the same way, that's still the funk. This is just one that wears a lab coat instead of a bathrobe, you know. Mm. Um, so anyways, just getting in uh, buy-in for it, uh, it added another layer as far as with COVID. We had everybody who was going to be working on set um, go through the basic <clears throat> COVID. Uh, uh, it, it was like a, a certificate, basically. Everyone had to take a test, and I already taken one for – UNR, but this was just one for filmmaking. So as we were getting everybody who was interested in helping out with this film, we just got them all certified. Um, I had to plan out and figure out the shoots. Um, and I, another thing that I always try to do with my films is even since I can't pay people what they're worth and so many people are worth so much more than what I, I, I can pay them at this point. Hopefully someday I can be rich and give everybody tons and tons of money for the work that they do. Uh, so it, since I can't do that, I make sure that I respect their time. So I put a metric fuck ton of time into planning out the shot list, planning out the contingency for um, things that – and you can't predict everything, but you can predict quite a bit as – since I've been doing filmmaking for quite a while, I can anticipate uh, how long something's going to take and generally speaking – if I say it's going to take an hour at most, I like projects have gone like 15 minutes over 30 minutes over, but I've been on sets before, um, with people who don't respect time and it's frustrating when it's like, Oh, they say it's an hour and you're like three hours in. You're like, Oh, just one more hour. Dude, I got places to go. I got mm-hmm. things that I have to do. I mean, yeah, we all want to do filmmaking for passion, but there's a lot of grueling work involved. And so, in terms of pre-production, I just always, always want to respect people's time. And so that means I'm putting a lot more on my shoulders in terms of getting everything in order. And anybody that is willing to help, Paulson Ward was a big help in terms of uh, recruiting a lot of people for me. That definitely helped. Um, and then the day of sets. And since he was helping me out remotely, he couldn't be there in person. But he was there in spirit in terms of being able to coordinate and make sure that everyone kind of understood their responsibilities. Yeah, I think he, he was the one who hit me up, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So And I was compensated. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of money. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm not... I'm not, not to, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, uh, no not to, I, I don't get paid that that often for uh, the, the shorts and things that happen around the community. So, like, to get anything, first off, is a blessing. Is a blessing. You know, yeah. and I say that in the sense uh, exactly what you're saying, you know, respect people's time, number one. Um, but like th- with the money thing, I usually can't give people money. But what I do say is like if you're in this, if the the second we film it, you know, I'm probably not going to put it into any film festivals. I'm going to put it online within 30 days from now and you can take it for your reel instantly. And I will tell you that at this level. That is worth its weight. Sure. Because, you know, what's $30 compared to you giving me footage for my reel? Yeah. 
nothing. <laughs> like right. the real is so worth it. And, uh, you know, if you're a filmmaker and you're listening right now, that's how you get the actors that don't have reels. You just go to up to them, go see them in whatever show they're doing, go network with them, go be a fan real fast. Very important. And then after that, hit them with the, like, I can get you reels. Like you give me your time. I will give you something on the back end. I think for me, that's been enough at this level for mm-hmm. sure. I, I see that um, that threshold coming up, though, in Reno uh, of just, like, everyone needs to get paid. Uh, there are passion projects, and there will always be passion projects. Right. But I feel as if there are some, some big, big projects that have come through Reno, yep. some bigger uh, passion projects as well, where people should have gotten paid on certain projects just a little bit, whatever it is, you 100%. know? Gas money uh, goes a long way. It's It says a lot, too. Yep. 20, 30 bucks, you know, especially if you're filming like on the other side of town, wherever it is that you're going. Yeah. You know, and people like it's not even just the gas money. It's like a lot of the time people are getting food, you know, like when I'm doing art stuff before I came here, me and Cassie, we, we went and got some canes. Nice. Shout out Canes. <laughs> <laughs> Not a sponsor? Yeah. Not a sponsor, but I like your chicken. Yeah. Yeah, we went and got that right before, and that's a common thing for me. You know, you're on the run. Yeah. What do you do? Just go get food real fast, you know? That was go another spend a little money. pre-production thing, again, because I couldn't pay too much. I remember when you and I got in contact about the role that I had, and I wanted to sell you on the idea of your character to make sure that – um you, you were really buying into it. And I, I remember, where did we go? You showed me a, a burger place that was so greasy, but so Ooh, good. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, what is it called? Scoopers. Scoopers, yeah, yeah. On Kitsky. And so that's another one of those things that, like, you know, I'll, I'll try anything that I can to show respect and, like, uh, you know, bought you a meal. I mean, that 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 can be nothing goes but it, so yeah. goes a long way goes a long way for sure yeah like seriously um and yeah that's the thing i'm thinking about the last set that i set up that i was directing on and it was uh i paid paid no one no one got paid but everyone got their choice of uh i think we had marietta's one day mm-hmm. we had some mexican food oh, one day yeah. like I, I paid for like a nice lunch everyone got their own like pick it wasn't like $10 a head. It was like, go ahead and pick whatever, you know? Right. And, uh, and like I had a schedule that we wrapped on time for like a 15 minute short over the course of two days. Everything was like surprisingly right on time. Cause nice. you know, you're saying that 10, 15 minute thing. Yeah. I feel that like, you yeah. know, with, most of the time it's going to be like maybe five, five, 10 minutes off. Yeah. Uh, unless there's some big thing happening, it's not, it right. shouldn't be an hour off. You know, exactly. like you should not have that much of a discommunication between your team. If if that's happening, somebody's being lazy. Yep. That's what I think. 100%. Somebody, uh, there's a gaffer out there, there, your camera person, somebody, somebody is telling you the wrong thing because they don't want to move as fast uh, to set it up, whatever yeah. it is. Maybe they can't, you know, it's all communication. It's weird. Yeah. So if you want people to support your work, they want to support by being on your crew, then you got to work, you know, 200 times harder to make sure that they're not wasting their time or feel like they're wasting their time. 
man, I, I can't wait to get to a part where we can all just like fund everybody's things and people can actually get paid because, you know, we're talking about getting funding and, and getting paid a little bit. But then there's the like actual rates, which, you know, right. all the things we're talking about would be non-union. Right. It would be like a discussion of like, OK, what can you work for per day rather than like, oh, the average for this uh, role is a couple hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars a day, whatever it is. Right. You know, which is a common thing on sets. We have all those rich people in Tahoe. Uh-huh. Come down, invest mm-hmm. in some art, some filmmaking. That's what I want. I just want like, you know. All these Californians coming up in here. I just need to find Mark Zuckerberg wakeboarding in California. Got to find me a, a nice Californian that's just yeah. like, oh, man, yeah, I had like three houses that I sold. No big deal. And yes. I just bought 80 in Reno. Yeah. <laughs> like, let us use one as a set. Come on. We'll make a paranormal activity. You'll get tons yeah. and tons of money. We'll all be happy. What's going to happen, I guarantee you, is there's going to be – this is going to happen. You're going to meet somebody like that. But then they're going to have, like, a kid. Mm. And the kid, that person, that's your new lead. Oh, no. <laughs> that's uh. how that works. You can have as many as many great actors as you want. Oh, man. But your lead has to be their child. That's And, and you know what? The other thing is, like, it's going to be bad, too. Yeah. Like, their kid – probably going to be bad. Yeah. And also they're going to look at you in that same way like they're playing a video game. <laughs> You're the one who walked in when they fucked up. Yeah. I mean, could hey, could happen. You got to do what you got to do, right? Got to do what you got to do. Everybody's got to do their part. Do you um at UNR do you work with the theater department ever? Um no, not closely. Yeah. Uh, at most when the film club is like um <clears throat> casting for their films mm-hmm. they might interact with them uh i'm trying to make it more cohesive but there's only so much time in the day right now i've just mm-hmm. been focusing more on the technical side yeah because i would say I, I don't know is there a film acting class there is uh i'd have to double check i know that there were like um i think there's a directing for film class but don't quote me on that um there's kind of a mm. sporadic amount of uh, classes dedicated to film in like the English history, um, art. Sorry, uh, technical difficulties. We're back. <gasps> uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I would. I would. It's interesting to me that um, there's always been this thing in town where there's acting classes, mm-hmm. and there are there have always been film acting classes, but they're not actually film acting. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever really had any film acting classes in town. And I only say that with the sense that, like, I now have done so much theater, um, and I've got, I've done a good amount of film now too, and and um, it's way different. Like in my mm-hmm. opinion, if you don't have a camera in front of you, you're not doing film acting, mm-hmm. and that's because the I think the basic philosophy around it is what are you performing for, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So if there is no camera in the room to film you. By definition, you can't be a film actor. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying that in the way that I've been in a lot of acting, film acting classes where they bring you into a theater, which is very normal. And then they have you uh, project and <laughs> cheat out and stand in the middle of a stage huh. for an audience uh, that would never be there if you were actually film acting. Yeah. They, they have you do this very theater type of performance 
And um, it just it's interesting to me that nobody has gone to this place of like, you know, getting out, getting a camera and just filming it. Would you say film acting is a lot more awkward because you don't have the feedback like yeah, everybody kind of has to shut up while you're delivering your line. So you have a bunch of just quiet people that can't give you any feedback, really. I mean, other yes. Other than and a few, like, eyebrow raises of, like, oh, you're doing a good job. Or, Ooh, yes and no. Take. Yes and no. I feel – because I, f- I feel like acting is all about being in the moment mm-hmm. and being, like, omnipresent. Like, being so present that you don't have to think about your lines. You can just say them because they're on a different level of muscle memory. Um you know, it's the muscle memory. I said this in class the other day, actually. It's the muscle memory of the Pledge of Allegiance, mm. which uh, when's the last time you thought about that? It's been a while. So long. Yeah. But you could probably say it word for word without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't. Don't. Because I did it right after that. I said <laughs> that. I was like, hey, can I? And like, you can. You can. If you're listening right now, you probably can and you probably haven't said it in years. That muscle memory is the muscle memory that like makes a really great actor, I believe. And so to get there, I think that um, there's two modes. Like if you're doing theater, uh, it's about living in the moment and not letting the outside stimulus, which is going to make you better. Like everyone's outside energy, whatever that is, it's going to add to you. You know, I don't know if, if you've ever been on a stage, you've been watched by someone, but that, that knowing that you're being watched and that you're also doing so well and that everyone is just hanging on every word you're saying, Mm -hmm. um, is, is what theater is. It's bathing in energy. It's literally bathing in the energy of however many people are in the audience. Every single one of them has two lenses in their eyes that you're performing for that are hundreds of feet away from you. Right. So by that same premise, if you have one lens, you know what? This one right here is a couple feet, three, four or five feet away from us right now. One lens, five feet away. Like I don't it's not the same. I don't have to perform all out here and I'm not being watched. I don't feel that actual energy mm-hmm. from all those people, you know. So uh, so number one, like that energy is not there. Yes. So and that's maybe what I was thinking in terms of like the awkwardness. It's one eyeball. All right. Last tef- technical difficulty. Uh, it's really hot in the studio right now and the camera keeps turning off. So we're actually going to wrap it. Uh, I just wanted a quick shout out. We're actually going to play um, uh, a scene from Nick's latest movie, which uh, has not premiered yet. Where is it going to premiere? Uh, we'll see because, again, it was designed as like a pilot. So we're mm-hmm. actually trying to pitch it. Uh, right. So TBA, um, to kind of summarize the film real quick, like I said, it's Funk. He's this weird Internet guy in Reno who's trying to save the world. And it's a show within a show. So this dude has his own sponsors, all of which are fake advertisements real in his world and uh cody is a character who um is uh he used to sell uh shoes and do shoe signs and now he's trying to get into the tech world and uh he also created a dating app and uh, it's a pretty entertaining commercial that you'll have to check out we'll uh we'll we'll plug that we'll play the commercial that's right yeah Mm -hmm. so uh we'll play that commercial at the end of this here that's going to play in just a moment um, quick last question. How do I find, uh, your shorts, your books, 
your your stuff, your whereabouts online? How do I find all your content? Where would I go? Man, this is a whole other conversation for another time. I kind of dipped away from a lot of social media. Probably the easiest way to contact me um, – Subscribe to me on YouTube. Just look for Nick Gap, N-I-C-K-G-A-P-P. There's only like two Nick Gaps in this world, and I'm going to take out the other one. Not really, but maybe. You're gone. Um, But I've actually – it's so funny. Through the process of making this film, making fun of the internet, I've kind of receded from almost all – like I don't go on Reddit. I don't do Insta. I don't do Facebook. never even touch TikTok. I've receded because a lot of it's just uncomfortable. Uh, to me, and 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 I'm just trying to be more intentional with my time, and and to me, I feel like I get sucked in too easily, like I'm sure a lot of people do, uh, with the internet. So, uh, but you can find me. Uh, you can always email me too. Uh, as weird as that sounds, not social media, What's but your email. Uh, it's just nickgap at gmail dot com. Nickgap gmail dot com. I own all the Nick Gaps. Nick Gap, the YouTube Nick, Nick channel. Gap at whatever. Nick Gap on <laughs> on Facebook, just Nick, Nick Gap. Uh, yeah, like I said, I don't check Facebook much. So honestly, email or YouTube, if you like comment on a video, cause I don't get too many comments that, that might be a way to notice me. And if you're ever in town in Reno, feel free to visit me at, uh, the knowledge center, um, at UNR. Great. And also, uh, if you go onto YouTube, you can watch nosebleed, uh, that is up on Nick's channel. That's like the main thing. You can watch the whole film right now. See, uh, get a little taste little taste of the gap. Yeah. A little cry <laughs> for this one, and the next time you'll get a little laugh and Sorry, a whole lot of taste. It's very salty in here right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, anything anything else you want to say before we send off? Um, thank you guys for doing what you're doing. Um, I look forward to seeing what you do next, Cody. You are a very talented man in Reno, and your potential is uh, still – being found and hey thanks i look forward to working with you more now i've kind of been doing a lot of these multi um you know role productions of my own and in the meantime while i'm writing my next project i want to support other people like yourself so when the time comes i appreciate your help that you uh, gave me on my project and i want to extend the offer to you anytime that you need help. Thank you very much for joining us. Till next time. Au revoir. I'll be Thank same. you. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Awesome. Okay. We're good this time. We're good. For real. Are you tired of being not being in a relationship? Well, tire no more. Come on down to Gordon Horton's Dating Emporium. We have a better match rate than any other app in the greater northern Nevada area. I found the woman of my dreams. I found a roof over my head. (laughs) I, I met Gordon using the app and now I feel like the queen of Reno. Cha-ching, seven, 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 coins my way. (laughs) Boo, give me a water. At Horton's, you can come on down to one of three locations and we'll transfer the app right onto your phone. You'll be dating in no time. And while you're waiting for the download, might as well get a shoe shine. So fast, honey. Yeah, you like that? Watch mm-hmm. it, watch it, watch it. Not me, no, oh. watch that, yeah. Oh, yeah. so fast. Yeah, fast, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, come here. Yeah.